This is Efficiently Effective, the content strategy and user experience podcast. I'm your host, Saskia Wiedler. Search engine optimization used to be purely a marketing tactic. Find the right keywords and just splatter them all over your website so that this website will rank higher in search engines. But with Google focusing more on the user experience of websites and thus promoting websites that are more user-friendly in their search results, search engine optimization, or SEO, made a tectonic shift. It's now drifting closer and closer to our field of work. But it seems like we and SEO professionals haven't been talking much to each other during the last decade or so. So there's quite some confusion and misunderstanding about their and our jobs, needs and goals. Lucky for us, Jess Hutton kept the lines of communication open. At Clearlink, where she is a UX specialist, Jess works closely together with the SEO experts on her team. She's also married to an SEO professional who helps her in keeping up to date with SEO. And Jazz can challenge his perceptions of content strategy and UX. Sounds like a match made in heaven. Recently, Jazz gave a talk at Confrep Central in Minneapolis about integrating SEO in your content strategy. And today, she'll share with us how to talk and work with the SEO professionals on your team, how we can build bridges and improve each other's work. She'll also give a few tips on how to do some SEO work on your own when you're on a small team or without a dedicated SEO expert. Just a quick note before we begin. In our conversation, Jess and I will be referring to both a search engine optimizer, so the person, and the process of search engine optimization as SEO. My apologies for the confusion. I'm Jess Hutton. I work at Clearlink. Clearlink is an affiliate marketing company that sells home services. We're pushing it into the digital agency space. Um, My job, I started as a copywriter turned content strategist, turned UX specialist, um, moved from Tennessee to Utah. So I'm currently in Salt Lake City. And my space um, at Clearlink, the the role that I occupy, I sort of sit between a dev team, a design team, our sales agents, um, our stakeholders, and I'm the UX specialist pulling all of our software together. How many people work at Clearlink? Uh, Our marketing floor is about 250 people. And our sales agents that take the phone calls that we push through from the websites uh, are pushing a thousand, I think, a couple of different cities. Are you the only content strategist there? No. So when I started, I was one of three or four, and that was four years ago. Um, and and content strategy was a new-ish idea to Clearlink. It was something that I came in. They hired me because I knew what I was doing. Um, so I came in and tried to help shape things a little bit. And now we have, I think, we went from three or four to seven or eight content strategists. They sit on different teams um, across the whole marketing floor. And how many SEO people are on the team? Oh, we are an SEO first company and have been for a long time. So SEO is our strength. It's the thing we're really good at. Um, and we probably have a team pushing 15 or 18 SEOs that are on all of the teams as well. Uh, so the marketing team as a whole is you know 18 and they're split up across smaller teams okay cool and um you've been to confab and you did a talk there how was it i did do a talk it was so scary <laughs> <laughs> it was awesome though um I, there were people sitting on the floor because there were no chairs left which was amazing and kind of suggested that content strategists want to talk about seo so I, I feel like it went really well for a first talk. Um, <laughs> I 
think I have a lot to learn still. Uh, I'm looking forward to another chance. Why, why do you think that, uh, that there was so much interest in it, in SEO? Because it, it hasn't really been a hot topic like the last couple of years in content strategy. Do you think it's making a comeback or how do you, what's your impression there? Yeah, I don't know if it's a comeback or a sudden awareness of the fact that we've just never talked about it. Um, SEO is words and it's words for people who are searching and content strategy is answering searchers questions, right? And giving them the best answer to their questions and best solution to their problems. I don't know why we've never really talked about them together. They they kind of go hand in hand. Yeah, seems like they do. Um, when I I didn't have the chance to attend uh, Confab this year, uh, and I'm so sorry to have missed your talk, but looking at the slides of your talk, I was like, yes, of course, this is very important stuff. And it makes so much sense to connect it to content strategy work. Um, and also like SEO came a long way, right? Um, when we started doing it, uh, it was more like keyword spamming and, you know, like hiding keywords on, on web pages and stuff. Mm -hmm. And it <laughs> evolved so much. Um, but I think somewhere along the line, um, personally, I always liked to keep an eye out for like, or maybe like half an eye for what's happening in the SEO field. But um, yeah, still, there's so much going on there. Um, you maybe have a better, uh, a better sight on where SEO is now, perhaps? Well, I think what we've seen with um, the advent of Google and, and a search engine that cares about the quality of experience that they're serving, um, it started as a game, right? You put keywords everywhere you could on a website. You, we, we even saw like keywords in white text on a white background as like blending in and hiding, but the, the Google search bot could find them. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> it was, Those were the days, yeah, right? <laughs> that, was, that was black hat. We don't do that. That's not okay. Um, but as Google evolved, as they started caring about not just serving um, a relevant result, but serving the right relevant result, that search has really shifted. Um, and Google, I'm just going to read this to you. Google has their mission is focus on the user, um, empower site owners and maximize access. So what they do is to provide the most useful and relevant information for people, um, not for search results, not for you know bots. And, and they've shifted in the last couple of years, I think, uh, especially since mobile has become such a big deal that, that like they're more concerned about user experience than they are about SEO almost. Yeah. Which kind of blows my mind. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a great evolution, really. It, feels, it just also feels more human and it feels closer to what we are doing as a content strategist and also in the UX field. Yeah, it's... it's bridging that gap between people and machines um, in a way that, you know, serves our needs mm -hmm. instead of just pushing their agenda. Uh, they just released an update called Fred. And <laughs> it's, that's not the official name. Google's very embarrassed by that name, I think. Um, <laughs> Where did it come from? Fred, 
Yeah, it was an offhand comment. One of the guys said, oh, yeah, we're calling it Fred. And it stuck. And he's like, that's not really what we're calling it, you guys. Um, but Fred penalizes websites that aggressively monetize their, their users. Um, so sites that are just trying to take advantage of people saw an overnight hit because like that's that's not what the Internet's for. That's not the, the always do good motto that Google was built on. I think it's clear that we both have the same kind of goals at heart then as content strategists and SAO people. Um, it's about time that we build more bridges. Now you work in a company that is uh, pretty large, uh, with large, with a large team and with also a large SEO team. Well, how do you talk with your SEO? Yeah, I think we're in a really um, interesting space right now because now that Google is showing a lot of concern for users and finally kind of aligning with content strategist goals, um, there's a more there's a more obvious need for SEO and content strategy to talk together. But traditionally, we've always said, "Oh well, I'm not going to work with SEO because you know they just care about keywords. Um, they don't want to like serve people's needs. They want to rank in search engines." And you know, so we've had this kind of give and take, push and pull, nothing really, it's, it's either my way or the highway from both teams. And right now I feel like we're in this space where we have a reason, we have Google's own mission to go to the SEOs and say, hey, like we want what you want. We want the user's best interests at heart. We want to serve content that doesn't just have lots of relevant words in it and rank really well, but it also answers people's problems and questions. Um, and it gives them the solution that they're looking for. And we know how to do that, and you know how to do that, so we should work together. That's I. That's been, I think, for me, the biggest thing with talking to SEOs, and full disclosure, I'm married to one. I've been married to an SEO for six years now. We have really heated discussions at home about how content strategy and SEO should work together. I'm sure. Um, <laughs> it's interesting. Um, yeah, but it kind of opens your eyes, right? Because it's like the... Um, I told you earlier about Dale Carnegie's book, How to Win Friends and Influence People. Um, his whole point is people will respect you and do what you want when you make them feel important, when you listen to their needs and you find a way to meet your needs and their needs. Um, and I think that's it, right? I, I just need to understand what my SEO wants and then show them how the work that I'm doing pairs well with the work that they're doing so that both of our goals are met. It's not easy. You know, every single person's different. Um, there's, you know, you have to use all of your charm and all of your skills and as much empathy as you can muster. <laughs> but we're content strategists. We're good at empathy. We've got that. That's very true. Can you give us an example of when content strategy and SEO combined made a product better? Sure. Yeah, so I have this great example. Um, one of my content strategists came over and she had her mobile phone out and she's like, look, Here's our mobile website. It sells business internet, small business internet. She's like, I, the, the main CTA, that button that I want people to click on the homepage isn't showing up above the fold when you pull it up on your mobile screen. She's like, I've tested all the mobile phones. Nobody can see it. The headline is too long. I was like, okay, well, what does your SEO think about the headline? He likes it. I was like, okay, we'll read the headline. What does it say? And it said something about business services for small businesses or it, 
from an SEO's perspective, the words internet and small business were missing from this headline. So it was a good headline, but it didn't have the keywords that he would appreciate most in the headline. So I was like, look, you've got a little bit of leverage here and a little bit of um, coin to barter, right? You can go back and say, hey, I want my CTA above the fold. And I know you want a really good headline. I wrote you one that has all the keywords you want in it. And it's way better for the user than what this current one says. It says something, you know, fluffy. Like, I wrote a really solid headline I think you'll like. And and offer that. If you'd use this shorter headline, my button will come up and we can both get our, our jobs done. Um, and she said it worked out great. So it's just one of those, like, kind of, you know, I think it's the same thing as thinking about stakeholders. Um, a lot of times they don't understand what you're trying to convey until you show them. So I'm always advocating for wireframing something if you have an idea and you're trying to win someone over a wireframe it take it to them show them where their value comes in um look these are your headlines this is your you know you get this h2 and this meta and you can do all these cool things and then i get my page built the way i want it to um you know seeing is believing it helps too if you really understand their goals and needs is it merely just to score in search engines right and it's, it changes from SEO to SEO. Um, for me, for us, our brands that we work on behalf of, um, they have different needs and different demands. So I could be asking my SEO to do something that goes against what the brand has asked them to do. And that's not fair, right? So I have to sit down and have a chat with them. And it's not, it's not just guessing. I have to go talk to them. See, what are you trying to accomplish this month? What are your goals? How can I help you get there? Um, and then listening. What you know? What are you? What is he actually trying to say? What does he want? And then how can I put my work alongside of his so that we both get what we're looking for? How do you keep up to date and up to speed with what they want and what they need? Do you do like personal research? Does your husband help you with that? Or yeah, I was gonna say I have the. <laughs> I have a short line to Google updates. He'll text me when something changes. Um, so I kind of get the, the first blush. Um, but with, with an SEO at work, um, I make time to like be their friend. You know, Spend a little bit of time with them frequently. Ask them to send you updates when things change. Um, and then there's, there's a couple really easy ways to keep up with other changes uh, on your own, right? So that you don't come to the conversation ignorant. Um, Moz, Rand Fishkin's SEO company, has a whole page of Google algorithm changes. Um, they update them as soon as they're confirmed or as soon as they're suspected. That's a really great thing to bookmark and just check in on every once in a while. Um, follow some t- people on Twitter that are SEOs. Dr. Pete Myers is one. He's fantastic. And he's always on top of the, the search trends. He, that's his job, is to watch what Google's doing and report on it. Um, so he's a great one to follow just to get a heads up that something might have changed and you don't have to figure it out. You can then go say, Hey, SEO lady, I found that Google changed something. It looks like, what are you seeing? How's that affecting us? Like what, what can I do to help you? I think the other thing that's really important, uh, with how to work with your SEO is always remember too, that like it's that principle of, um, a good manager is one who highlights their people, 
right? They're not the one grabbing the glory for themselves and saying, I did this or my team did this. They call out the individuals who do the work. If you have a success in content strategy and something you've built, um, highlight the SEO for helping you get it ranked. Highlight the person who helped you, you know, set up the um, alt text and the the metadata and the title tags so that not only is it rankable and it's or it's ranked and it's easily searchable, but it's also um, friendly for screen readers. They helped with accessibility. They helped me. You know, call out in documents, documentation, and presentations what they did for you because that gives them a lot more leverage. Yes, but it also makes you look good. <laughs> it's actually also part of user research. They are also supplying a piece of of the puzzle that is harder for us to see. Absolutely. They give, um, I would say SEO offers the data, right? The numbers behind search volume. Um, I can hit my SEO with, Hey, I think this is a really cool term. Are people using it? And you can come back and say, Nope, you know, no one's going to do that. Don't look at it. It's not worth your time. Um, you know, they can, they can help build your efficiencies and help point you in the right direction. Uh, yeah. And it's, it's that volume of we can go Google stuff all day long and see what Google auto suggests and see what our competitors are doing. But we have no idea how many people are actually searching for that thing. Um, and your SEO does, they can put numbers to, to the, the ideas you're proposing. Yeah. So they can also validate our ideas. There's so much we can learn from that. SEO should always be a part of the process. Yeah, no, I mean, that's, if I build anything without an SEO, there's always a double check before we post, you know, before we publish with the SEO. You should look at this. We, f- we forgot to include you in the front round. Um, would you look at this and, and see how it might do or how we could make it better? Um, there's a lot of things that we don't think about always. Um, for instance, alt tags on imagery. A lot of times when, when I'm creating an alt tag, I just use three keywords and separate them with hyphens. And it didn't occur to me that screen readers can't make much sense out of that. They can read it, but it's not very helpful for the person hearing it. Um, but your SEO is the one who's going to say, oh, wait, I have a better alt tag for you. Um, let, you know, let me put that in there and improve, improve what we're doing. They're going to know before anybody else does what Google's interested in, what they've shifted, um, how that affects the site, how that affects your work. And... It just makes sense to ask them before you start on a new project if there's anything that you should be aware of. Um, a couple a couple months ago, maybe maybe almost a year ago now, Google hit a tipping point where more people were searching on Google via mobile than they were on desktop, and they released this big design PDF, um, you know how to how to make better mobile experiences, and they're talking about micro moments, and and that changed I think the way that content strategists have to think about content. Um, it highlighted Karen McGrain's chunks, not blobs push again, um, just that it's super important to write little digestible pieces and to think through a mobile lens. Um, almost all the time. I almost feel like your desktop can be thought through a mobile lens as well, but remembering that more people are coming through mobile and that's a different experience and that's smaller, more relevant pieces of content. Um, we don't have time to build stories on mobile the way that we do on desktop. We are just trying to provide answers in the moment when it's relevant, the right time and place. 
Um, so yeah, I think, you know, those, those big shifts, but then also the little shifts, um, it's always good to check in with your SEO first and just see, you know, Hey, did I miss anything? Has, has anything changed lately? Like, am I still doing my job right? <laughs> or can you help me do my job better? Um, and that just goes to build the relationship, right? If, if they hear you asking for advice, asking for help, um, leaning on them to be the expert, people are, people stand up under that. Uh, they'll, they won't do you wrong. Your talk at Confab Central was about um, search engine optimization tools and techniques, right? Yeah, so I would say the, the Confab talk was um, geared toward content strategists with very few resources at hand. Um, at Clearlink, I'm super lucky. I have a, a UX team, I have a testing team, I have a user research guy that can spend months doing research on my website for me with real people. Um, but if you don't have that, and if and I have SEOs, I have PPs, I have all these really smart people um, that know about my website and can help me make it better. But if you don't have that, it's really easy to get lost. Um, and I think borrowing a little bit from SEO, because I would never advocate that you do their job. <laughs> That's not a good idea. Um, it's also just really complicated, right? You shouldn't do your job and someone else's. But as a content strategist, there's some tips and tricks and places that you can borrow from SEOs to find the words that your users are using. Um, so again, not traditional keyword research, but more user research. What are people asking mm -hmm. for? Um, what problems are they trying to solve? How are they talking about your brand or your product? Um, because they won't talk. It's like, it's like kids to parents. They're not going to talk to you about how they actually feel. <laughs> they're going to go somewhere else where they don't think you're listening and they're going to talk about you. So, you know, there's places that you can go and find that. Um, and, and, you know, you just need a little, little bit of spreadsheet work, a little bit of SEO thinking to find the things that you're looking for. What would you say is a good place to start? Well, so my, my favorite one that I recommend just over and over again is forums. Um, if you have an industry, if you sell a thing, if you are a brand, someone is talking about you on a forum. There's, you know, it's everything from like how to build rabbit hutches to how to wax your own skis to type one diabetes to, um, you know, dealing with grief to how to move your home. Like it's everything. There's forums for everything. So I would say start there, find the forum that's relevant to what you do, um, what you sell, what you're pitching, what the content you're building, and then read how people talk about your thing. Um, what are they asking for? Do you provide that? What words are they using? Um, I'm trying to think of a good example. Oh, the Roomba, um, the robot vacuums. They, they have um, all these people on forums talking about their Roomba in anthropomorphic terms. <laughs> he does this and I love him and I've named him this and he comes out every morning at 11 o'clock <laughs> and he gets stuck on the rug. We, we have one, we, his name is Alfred and we tell him he gets stuck on the rug sometimes and we're like, go home Alfred, you're drunk. <laughs> you know, he's very much a part of the family. Um, and that's something that Roomba hasn't capitalized on. They have so many content opportunities with this anthropomorphic, anthropomorphologic, oh gosh, my English major is failing me. Um, but with this humanizing of their robots, there's so many content opportunities that they could be pulling on that probably would rank better than some of the things um, that we're seeing, but also the way people search for them. Um, 
Very few people seem to go to forums and say, I want a robot vacuum. Which one is the best one? Most of the time they go and they're like, oh my gosh, there is dog hair everywhere in my house. How do I pick it up? And people are like, oh, you want a Roomba? Oh, you want a Neato? You want a, you want a robot vacuum? Um, and then they start giving their anecdotes and their case stories. Um, but yeah, people don't search for the solutions to their problems. They search for their problems. And you'll start to see that as you start going through forums. People ask the burning question, which isn't what's the answer to my question. It's, I have this problem and what do I do? Um, and and Google, Google shows that. All the search trends show that people search for the problem, not the not the answer. Yeah, it's like in UX and in content strategy, you focus more on the problem than on what you think the answer is, right? Exactly. Or just being clear that, and, and again, content strategy and empathy are hand in hand, um, being clear that we solve your problems. So a good example would be um, Roomba and Neato the two different robot vacuums side by side. They both have commercials. Roomba's is kind of boring. Like it, it just comes out and cleans things and, and that's, it's got nice music and nice video. And But Neato, uh, they like bullet point for you all the things that they clean up. They show a kid dropping Cheerios out of his high chair. They show the dog shaking dog hair and dirt all over the floor. Um, they show, you know, dad dropping an egg while he's, well, it wouldn't clean up an egg very well, but dad dropping something while he's cooking. Um, and, and, you know, like kids tracking mud through on their, on their shoes. So they put you in that situation of there's my problem. I see it. And I see the solution side by side and the context and that empathy of, of understanding your life is messy. We can help you clean it up. Um, is just so much more appealing than here's a robot to clean your house. <laughs> Yeah, and forums are just bursting with inspiration for use cases, aren't they? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think you can have a brainstorm with your team, but it's these real situations that you might not think about that will uh, make your audience go, yes, exactly, I've been there, that happened to me. But on the other hand, forums can be quite scary places don't you think <laughs> yeah yeah forums can be really scary i avoid Reddit, like the plague it scares me to death um i mean yeah you, most forums have site search built into them um that's always a great tool to use um another one that kind of came across my desk is bloomberry and we'll include a link to it in the result or in the um audio ooh, what's that called in the blog post in the blog post um, but Bloomberry does this thing where you, you put in what you're searching for and they search the forums for you and they pull all of the context of the thing you're searching. So it's not just the keyword and where it occurs. It's the keyword and the questions it occurs in. That sounds and amazing. And they give you volume behind it. It's unbelievable. Um, it is a paid tool, but you could get two free searches a day. <laughs> so <laughs> I use those. But yeah, so that's it. It does sort of that SEO showing volume behind the thing that you're looking for um, on, on a much simpler scale. I mean, it kind of shows you what the SEO could do for you. Um, and then like there's, there's um, Quora is a really great website. It's sort of like a forum. It's a little bit more controlled. And what I love about it is that they ask you to reveal who you are. 
Um, so, so you're supposed to be transparent. So you can go and say, oh, I represent brand X um, and I'm an expert because I've worked there for seven years. And, you know, let me answer all of your questions about this brand. And people ask you questions and you can um, begin a conversation where you ask for feedback. You know, oh, why didn't you like that? I'd love to hear more about what went wrong. Um, and so you can get a little bit more in depth like you would on social media or some of those other places that are very direct feedback. It's a great place to do some intense user research. And yes, like you said earlier, uh, I think it's one of these places where people talk more freely. They're, they're less inhibited. Yes. Yeah, no, I think so. Um, what's interesting too with Quora is um, Google is using them as a gauge for interesting questions. Um, I have a couple of screenshots I can send you, but when you search for something that's a little unusual and there's maybe not a very authoritative answer or authorita authoritative website um, that Google trusts to provide you for the first result or two, um, they're turning to Quora. So if Quora has that question um, and someone has answered it, Google is pulling that as a search result very early on, even before Wikipedia. Um, saying we trust this site we trust this response you should you should look at this um i think it's probably because it's free uh angie's list and some of those other paid sources are i, I believe they're kind of shut off from google a little bit so they're not searchable externally like that um but yeah i think core is an amazing resource uh, especially if you don't have a very strong seo team or you don't really have an seo working for you they can be a good indicator what i would say too though is think about um if someone you don't want someone to click the Quora result, right? You want to build something that answers the question better than Quora, so that your site ranks first. Um, but it's it's a very good indicator of there is not much competition around this keyword, and people are searching for it. Oh, and also um, Quora has this up and down voting mechanism yes. built into it, so you can actually see which answer the people prefer. Yes, and. Um, even if there are no answers, you can see the interest in the question. Um, people follow questions that don't have answers. They'd like to hear the answer to when it's available. Um, so you can see if, if there lots of people are interested in this one or if it's just one or two people. Are there other tools that you like to use? Um, I'll be honest, not really. That's kind of it. I try to leave the heavy tools um, to my SEO. Um, they We use Screaming Frog to crawl websites, and I'll use that for an audit, um, if I'm doing a content audit, but I don't touch it. I'll have my SEO pull it for me and clean up the data a little bit so I don't have to look at the giant messy spreadsheet. <laughs> you can just send me something cleaned up and a little tidier, a little bit more sort of relevant to my interest. So in my confab talk, uh, the second kind of angle that we were taking on, on all the research that we were doing on how people talk about things is um, scrappy user research, right? If you don't have a user research team, uh, you can do your own research. You can find out what people think, what they, how they feel about stuff, um, just through looking at how they talk. Um, we know, for instance, on Amazon, when people leave reviews, most of them are probably in a high emotional state. They've either been incentivized. Um, if you leave this review, we'll put, you know, verified reviewer on your account. And you'll, or you'll get a $5 that Amazon does this all the time. You'll get a $5 credit to Amazon video. Like, oh, well, all right, I'll leave a review. Um, 
or they're they're flooded. They're emotionally flooded and they're just angry and irate and they have gone three steps farther than most of us, <laughs> gone straight to the site and have left this angry, angry review. Um, so that obviously is user research. You're getting some of that emotion in some of the words that they use. Um, and you can see what triggered the emotion. Um, the Roomba reviews are terrifying. How many times dog poo gets splattered on the walls? It's just oh god, they're horrible. There's like you can see why those people were so upset when they wrote it. I would probably not even be able to write a review. I'd be so upset. <laughs> um, but yeah, you can kind of get a sense for their state of mind, their state of emotions, um, and and they're very clear on like why they bought a thing, what they were planning to use it for, how it actually worked. Um, and then I would say too, you look at stuff like social media, um, another place where people are highly emotional, highly reactive. Um, it's right at our fingertips. It's really easy to spout off. Um, and then maybe take it back later or, or think about it a second time after, after you've posted. <laughs> but it's also a place where we can get immediate feedback. Um, as a user researcher, you can you know, content strategist with the user researcher hat on, you can go into social media and, um, you know, re respond to people. Hey, I'm sorry that happened. Or I'm sorry you feel that way. Could you tell me more? Um, you can get more context out of, out of their experience. Um, and then I, you know, there's, we're all people. I think some of the best user research is in person. I, I still at Clearlink take my, um, take like my cell phone over to the neighboring financial group who has never seen our website <laughs> and I put it in their hands. I'm like, Hey, look at this. Where would you find X and have them kind of scroll through and watch their, watch their patterns, watch what they're looking for. Um, if they pause, like, why, why did you pause? What are you thinking about? Like, what are you looking for? Why, why did this not meet your needs? Um, and they're very happy to tell you why they're very quick to explain. Um, if you're very, very brave, you could call your mom and ask her to try it. But you know, there's a lot of risk involved in that one. A lot of this is easy to start down the path and get so engaged and so absorbed in what's going on um, and what you're finding that you forget to write stuff down. Um, <laughs> at least I do. Um, so I always start with an Excel sheet open next to me or like a Google Sheets and just, it, it doesn't have to be fancy. That's the SEO's job. Let them do the you know, the long tail keyword strings and the variations. You don't have to do that. I write down every time I see something different or something new or something interesting. And then I have a list of things that I can go take back to my SEO and say, Hey, look what I found. I know it's not, you know, it's not your version, but it's, it's keyword research. This is how people are actually talking about things that we do. Um, would you look into the volume behind them? Would you look into um, the variations? Will you help me build this out into more of a, a comprehensive list? And then that list goes to your copywriter. That list can go to your designer to give them an idea of how people talk about your things. Um, and you can take those keywords and pair them with your customer journey mapping, with your audit, with p pages of your sitemap. Um, if the homepage has very specific content around your product on it, but it doesn't say 
anything in the terms or the phrases that people are using, maybe you want to go back and change that. So you can group them kind of by relevance and context across all of your, your um, internal deliverables. And, and then you're not just doing research, you're sharing it and you're making it more valuable by giving it to other people and empowering other people to do their jobs differently, um, to do their jobs better. What would you say is a big drawback of doing your own SEO? Oh, doing your own research in general, there's just never enough information. Um, it's either you get so far in and you're overwhelmed and there's so much and you just don't know which part to use or like when to stop, or you just can't find the thing that you want, like that you were hoping for. I feel like we all probably go into research with expectations. Um, I'm going to find this, this, and this, or I'm going to find that people feel this way about Roombas. And then you start looking at it and you're like, ah, crap. <laughs> they don't, they don't feel that way at all. Uh, and so, it, you, you know, you can either push on until you find the proof for your theory, or you can start just recording what you see. But then as, start, as soon as you start recording what you see and you're making all these notes, it, that could go for days. Um, so, Yeah, I feel like there's that weird fine line between never quite enough and always too much and, and how to find the things that are most valuable. I don't have a solution for it either. I'm just saying that's a big problem. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think SEOs are better at that? Um, I think they're decisive. Um, when I've worked with SEOs in the past, they were very clear on, oh, nope, that's not worth our time or ooh, we really need to focus on this one thing. It's really important. Um, so yeah, I'd say if you get to the um, indecision point of, I don't know if I should keep researching or if I have too much, go talk to your SEO, see what they say, see how that your research compares to their keyword research. Um, and if they maybe have a hard line in the sand for you. Yeah, maybe it's also because they're a little more data driven. Yes, they are definitely more data driven. Um, which is a nice balance. They're more data driven and we're more empathy and user driven. And, and so I think we are, we can work well together to, to get our goals accomplished. I hope I haven't like upset any SEOs by speaking for them. <laughs> But um, I mean, I think it's one of those things, right? If, if we're not advocating for each other, if we're not advocating to be working on a team and to be collaborating all the time, I don't do well in a box. I don't operate well on my own. Um, I'm always stronger when I have people around me who are smarter than me and who can help me do a better thing than what I would come up with by myself. Yeah, I think like there's so much value in, in working with these various different disciplines. And I think we can only make each other's work better that way. Yeah, absolutely. So. I think the only way that you hurt yourself um, is by not talking to the people around you. Thank you so much for your heartwarming advice i really feel like going out and hugging an seo right now <laughs> or hugging whoever whoever i see next watch out <laughs> so thank you so much for your time no thank you this has been really fun and to you dear listener thanks so much for joining us in the blog post at efficientlyeffective.fm you'll find links to the products and websites we've mentioned Jazz will also post some articles that more or less cover the content of her confab talk on uxbooth.com. So keep an eye out for that too. If you are an SEO professional, Jazz and I would love to hear from you. Tell us what you think of this episode or about your experiences with working with content strategists and UX professionals. Tweet at us at EffectivePod or email to podcast at efficientlyeffective.fm. 
To those who are listening and who are maybe not SEO experts, we'd love to hear your thoughts and experiences too. Next month, we'll be back for a new episode, but we might also run into each other at Confab Intensive in Denver, Colorado, or at the Web Expo Conference in Prague, where I'll be presenting a talk myself, and I'm very excited about that. Please come say hi, I might just have stickers with me. Thanks to Jess Hutton for sharing her experience, Gavin Back and Sanders Polspool for technical support, production and editing by Sanders Polspool and me, Saskia Wiedler. Music by Kevin McLeod at incompetech.com, licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0. Efficiently Effective is a production by The Duchess.